Welcome to Healthy Births, Happy Babies, where we share tips, tools, and stories grounded in natural childbirth and parenting principles, so that instead of feeling overwhelmed and confused during this exciting time in your life, you feel safe, supported, and empowered in your childbirth and parenting journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jay Warren. Hello, welcome back. It's another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Warren. I'm the Family Wellness Chiropractor and the Wellness Care Coordinator here at the CAP Wellness Center. And today we have Dr. Elliot Berlin as our guest. He is very passionate about informed consent relative to pregnancy. Uh, he does a lot of work in many forms of media to um, deliver that information, and that is obviously a natural fit for our podcast. So I'm really excited to have him as a guest today. But before I bring him on, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Cap Wellness Center. The Cap Wellness Center in Encinitas, California, has assembled an incredible team of fully certified holistic healthcare professionals that offer the very best in prenatal, postpartum, and pediatric wellness services. We offer acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, yoga, lactation support services, and a wide variety of birth education classes to ensure that you are fully able to experience the power of birth. And now let me take a moment to introduce our guest, Dr. Elliot Berlin. He is an award-winning prenatal chiropractor, childbirth educator, and labor doula. He is the founder of the Berlin Wellness Group, a thriving prenatal and family wellness practice with several locations in Los Angeles. His informed pregnancy project aims to utilize multiple forms of media to compile and deliver unbiased information about pregnancy and childbirth to empower new and expectant mothers to make informed choices regarding their pregnancy and parenting journey. He's also the producer of two documentaries about birth choices, Trial of Labor, and Heads Up, the Disappearing Act of Vaginal Breach Delivery. He's the host of the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting podcast, and he has a television show in pre-production. Dr. Berlin is married to Dr. Alyssa Berlin Saidi, a prenatal and postpartum clinical psychologist, and together they have four children. So with no further ado, let's switch over to a conversation with Dr. Berlin. All right, Dr. Berlin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, in your bio that we just read, um, there's a lot of different things that uh, you're doing, and we want to jump into as much of it as possible um, as far as the Informed Pregnancy Project and the movies they have coming out, or no, that are actually out. But before we jump into that, would you mind just taking a few minutes to kind of give us some more background on yourself beyond the bio here, you know, how you got interested in healthcare as well as uh, taking care of pregnant women and babies. Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, from a very young age, I got an interest in, an early interest in, uh, in healthcare and, and helping people out in, in a medical way. <clears throat> from the time I was seven or eight years old, I think I took my first CPR class and uh, was fascinated by the concept. A couple of years later, I took a first aid class, then lifeguard training. Soon after that, I was teaching for the American Red Cross, other people, CPR and first aid, and uh, lifeguard training. And uh, then as soon as I turned 17, I took emergency medical training and started to volunteer for the local 
volunteer ambulance squad and then worked. I, I got a job in ambulance as well, so I was doing ambulance during the day and ambulance at night. Um, I really was on, on a track for medicine and medical school. Uh, soon after, uh, we had a, a, a death in the family that was partially attributed to a medical mix-up, and it really made me think about the power of drugs and surgery, and, and I, I do respect them very much, and I find them to be very powerful healing agents or medical agents. However, just as powerful as they are to do good, they are also equally powerful to do harm if they're overused or used inappropriately. So uh, I started to look at alternatives, and I, I spent a lot of time, a year, just studying lots of different alternative methods of healthcare. And the two that made the most sense to me were a combination of chiropractic and massage. So I went to school for both. And, and uh, when I finished, I joined a very busy clinic. And, and seeing that many people, that high volume of people, I was able to identify certain patterns. And one of those patterns led me to a discovery between certain types of back pain and infertility. As I started to work with the infertility community on natural ways to boost fertility, uh, we had a lot of success early on, and I then found myself surrounded by a pregnant community who wanted to continue care. Mm -hmm. I knew very little about prenatal care. Um, not that much is taught in, in most chiropractic schools. And uh, for the most part, the rules were what not to do. Don't touch this, don't touch this, don't go over there, don't you, you're going to get sued if you do this. And so uh, I really tried to find other places to send our prenatal clients, but nobody really wanted to take them. And I also found out it's very hard to say no to a room full of pregnant women. <laughs> and so uh, here we are, you know, uh, 12 years later, uh, I have a, an almost entirely prenatal and postpartum uh, practice. <clears throat> I've uh, also become a doula and um, because of the things that I see on how pregnancy and prenatal care have evolved specifically in the US uh, I have also worked hard to create various forms of media that help inform and empower people to make more informed choices right. and you know I don't think I've ever talked with a male doula before how long have you been working as a doula too well, I've been going to birth with our clients for about seven years. I formally became, uh, did the doula training a little over two years ago. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, you know, I know around the country there's a handful of us. It's not a very big Facebook fan page. <laughs> no, I would imagine so. And, and was it this um, media you know, company and project, um, is that relatively new or have you been working on that for a while? You know, it evolved. I originally started, I said, wow, people need, I, I see people not getting the information that they need on time. Mm. And so <clears throat> what, uh, what I started to do originally was just write articles on a blog and have a website. Uh, and I thought that would be a great way to get this information out. And then as time evolved, I just started adding more uh, podcasts so that, it, you know, you can't read the article on the way to work, but you can listen to the podcast. And some of the issues were, were bigger and needed more in-depth discussion. And so that's where the documentaries came from. And now we're working on a TV project just to, as another platform to get to more people when they can use the information before it's too late. Uh, and with the, the two documentaries they had, you know, one is Trial of Labor and the other one is Heads Up. Um, which one came first? Uh, Trial of Labor, we started working on first. Mm. <clears throat> Trial of Labor narrowly looks at VBAG, vaginal birth after cesarean. And um, 
I started to do it because I early on didn't even know what VBAC was. I just heard several patients come back after they had their babies talking about how they ended up in cesarean. And I was a little bit alarmed by the number of people that ended up in cesarean. And then uh, they'd come in a couple years later saying, can you recommend a doctor who supports VBAC? And I said, why? Why is it so hard to find a doctor who supports VBAC? It must be dangerous. And hmm. when I did a little bit of my own research, I realized, you know, the risks that are associated with VBAC are not that high compared to other reasonable risks that we take in obstetrics and also need to be compared and contrasted against the risks of having a repeat cesarean, which people seem to gloss over in their effort to push you down that path. And so... I did find doctors who are very supportive of VBAC, who are just honest about the risks and benefits of both choices and help the expectant parents make an informed choice. And so um, when I did a little more research, I found out throughout the country there are bans on VBAC. There are actual hospitals and counties and cities that don't allow VBAC. And uh, that just seems really like it should be illegal on American. That, the absence of a procedure, right, a VBAC is basically just saying, I'd like to have my birth with no medical intervention. The absence of a, a, a procedure, um, a banning that means forcing a procedure. We don't force surgery on people in the United States, especially when there's no you know, strong, compelling reason to do it. And so I made the film and, and used VBAC as the central discussion point to really highlight the importance for informed choice. You know, if you want to have an elective cesarean, I believe just as much in your right to have that elective cesarean as to have an elective vaginal birth. But right now, the way the trends are going, you're very much forced into cesarean oftentimes when you don't need it and not allowed to have a vaginal birth when it seems like a reasonable choice. Right, and definitely the, the tides are changing slowly in the, the fear that's around a VBAC. You know, many women are just kind of made to believe that they're doing something crazy and really unsafe if they're even trying to. And at our own Cap Wellness Center, Dr. Cap here is very um, supportive of VBAC and even, um, you know, doing a lot in the first burst to make sure that they're avoiding a cesarean in the first place so that they're in a way, preventing a VBAC situation later on down the line if they have another birth. Um, Absolutely. Preventing that initial cesarean. And in, in, in I will say two things. One is, uh, if you ask me, a cesarean section is an amazing wonder of wonders. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great procedure to have it at your disposal for people who need them. Right. Um, however, when you overuse them or force people into them who didn't need them, we end up starting to do more harm than good. The other thing I'll say about VBAC is that there's definitely risk in, in, associated with doing a VBAC. Some people are better candidates or worse, worse candidates for various reasons. And that it's important to discuss with your provider what the benefits and risks of both choices are and then make that informed choice. But it's definitely not like we have one safe option and one dangerous option, and that's often how it's made out to be. And that is something I learned on your podcast episode around VBAC. Um, in your discussion around the risks of subsequent cesareans, which I don't think is talked about at all, really. Well, not nearly enough, I should say. Um, women are kind of made to believe of like that's a safe route, and you're like, oh, okay, you just have another cesarean. But there are some very real risks in cesarean. Yeah, after having the initial cesarean, there are risks in the subsequent pregnancy that can't be avoided. 
Um, and <clears throat> that's not talked about very often. And I would also say it, it's sometimes uh, an important factor. So if somebody's not planning to have any more children after the current pregnancy, then whether or not they have a cesarean or vaginal birth this time around makes a big difference. If they are planning to have more children, then um, you know it could be it could be a deciding factor to say, well, oh, if I'm definitely going to be increasing the risk in subsequent pregnancy, that's a, a much more important factor for me now than if I was not planning to have any more children. Right. Good point. And that you know that segues us to your other documentary, which is Heads Up: The Disappearing Art of Vaginal Breach Delivery, and it's usually. When a woman presents breach, they're just automatically in many medical communities put into a cesarean and almost scheduled. And um, is that something you are seeing more and more in your practice of that automatic um, scheduling that you wanted to, you know, kind of bring some more information around? Yeah, I mean, the uh, breach is any 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 time a baby is not head down. In, in the later stages of pregnancy, head down being the most ideal position for babies to come out in vaginally. Um, <clears throat> when a baby is not breached, there are a handful of things that you can do naturally to try to get them to turn and then medically to try to get them to turn. And then there should still be options available if they don't turn on how to have the birth. Uh, one of the options of things that you could do naturally is the chiropractic care, uh, the Webster technique that uh, many of us are certified in. Uh, is really just a technique to help restore normal function to the mother's body, low back, hips, and pelvis, and create a more functional space in there that oftentimes allows the baby to get into the ideal head-down position. Um, it's not really a breech-turning technique, but it, it uh, because it normalizes the structure and function of the host environment, it oftentimes leads to babies just naturally getting into the ideal position. It's sort of become known as a breech technique. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm certified in the Webster technique, and we, we as a result of that, uh, naturally attract people who are carrying breech babies to try to come get their babies to turn. Um, I've also added to it, based on my massage background, a more of a soft tissue approach that also seems to help. And we do Chinese medicine. And because of all the breaches that we're doing, we've, we've attracted quite a large breach clientele. We get maybe one or two new breach cases a day in our practice, several mm -hmm. hundred a year. And uh, so I see a very large volume of breach. And uh, for the most part, they're not even told there is an option. If the babies don't turn and they end up breach at the end, uh, they're usually scheduled for, they're told that there's no choice but an automatic cesarean at 39 weeks. Uh, whereas in reality, according to the current guidelines of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they should be given two choices. Uh, the current guideline says that vaginal breech birth is a re reasonable option for many women, and a, a discussion should be had with the provider about the pros and cons of both, and also selection, who's a better candidate for vaginal breech birth and not as good a candidate for vaginal breech birth. And uh, based on all that information, a woman should be able to make an informed choice and have her choice supported. However, as we talk about in the film, uh, most of the younger practitioners today are, have never been taught how to do breach delivery. And without that experience, they're, they're not able to safely offer that option. And so there's practitioners, you know, in the obstetric field, medical doctors are, are not still not being trained in it. And the ones who are competent and confident with breach delivery are starting to retire 
Uh, midwives still do train around the country and around the world on breech birth, and so that option remains available to many women, but in some states, midwives are not allowed to do breech birth. So the option is, is as the title of the film says, it's the disappearing order of vaginal breech delivery. In uh, Los Angeles, where I live, we still have several doctors who do offer breech birth, and so our clients, for the time being, have a choice. However, as those doctors continue to retire and new doctors are not trained, the choice is slowly fading away. And I was looking at some information that shows that it's relatively recently that breach delivery, vaginal breach delivery, uh, wasn't allowed. Yeah, I would say, you know, in, in, since the 1920s, when cesarean birth became a lot safer, we've, as a, a community, we've been sort of saying, who would be better off with a cesarean birth over a vaginal birth? We know there are certain complications that make uh, cesarean birth safer. And I think over time, we've been testing which populations of pregnant women would be better off given the cesarean option over a vaginal birth option. And in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, that test was put to breach. We know there are certain complications with a vaginal breach birth that are potential. And uh, so there was a large study done at McGill University in Canada, and Dr. Mary Hanna was the lead researcher, and they took a couple of thousand women who had breached babies late in their pregnancies and compared the outcomes of vaginal breech birth versus cesarean breech birth. And in their initial findings, they concluded that there was a small but statistically significant better outcome in breech birth done by cesarean than breech birth done vaginally. And based on that 2001 study published in The Lancet, both the United States and Canada made the recommendation that all breech babies be born by planned cesarean pretty much at 39 weeks. Hmm. What, what kind of outcomes were they looking at? Were they looking just at APGAR scores? or They know? were looking at APGAR scores. Um, th- I mean, they were looking at the immediate health of the baby after birth. I in see. fact, okay. in, in the two-year follow-up study where... They took the, as many of those two-year-olds as they could find. Um, that same research team found no difference in long-term health between babies born vaginally or born by cesarean. Hmm. And that was the first time we started to scratch our heads. I mean, there was a little bit of uproar when, in 2001 when that came out. Uh, the study came out and the recommendation came out, and we stopped training at that point uh, in, in residency how to do breach deliveries. Um, but at two thousand, you know, when the two-year follow-up came up, that we scratched our heads a little bit and said, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have taken away this option so quickly. In fact, maybe a vaginal birth is is indeed more strenuous, more laborious than a cesarean birth for the child, and so you might expect there to be signs of just having been on on a difficult journey, but maybe an important beneficial journey. <clears throat> and so more research was done on the original study and uh, more flaws were found in the original study, one of which is there was not very good selection on who's a good candidate and who's not a good candidate. There was not great selection upon the practitioners either. Some of the places that were included in the study didn't even have ultrasound and uh, also included doctors who had no proficiency in delivering breech babies. And uh, there were a handful of uh, different types of congenital defects that had nothing to do with the mode of delivery that one might say should have been excluded from the study. And based on all those flaws and, and deeper look into the, how the study was done, uh, the, you know, several researchers came out and said we should, we should reverse the conclusion 
of the Turnbridge trial. And in fact, in 2006, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists did sort of backpedal on their original <clears throat> uh, recommendation, opening the door for breech delivery to be part of the norm. Uh, and in 2009, Canada did the same. Only in Canada, they really bent over backwards to have older, more experienced practitioners working with the younger, less experienced practitioners to teach them breech birth and fill in the gap in the United States that has yet to happen. Hmm. As, as far back as 06 and 09. It's amazing. Yeah, which is not far back at all. No, not at all. And is it something that, um, I, from the documentary, do they address, like, is it something that the medical community is looking to add back into the curriculum, or is it really just a stagnancy around um, teaching that again? No, the medical community, as far as I can tell, is really not. They are still researching a little bit, pockets mm -hmm. of them are still researching the pros and cons. But, uh, you know, in fact, in the 2006 ruling uh, or recommendation change, the ACOG states that they believe most most women with a breech baby will still end up having a cesarean because of diminishing expertise among providers, yet they make no no effort to change that diminishing expertise. So, you know, doctors today, their comfort zone, they were they were brought up, they, they were gone through residency being told that vaginal breech birth is dangerous and cesarean breech birth is safe. That's not, a, it's certainly not black and white. Um, and their comfort zone is to do cesarean birth. So it's going to be very hard to to change that. And also the community norm is still that breech babies are born by cesarean. So any doctor who goes against the community norm, even though the guidelines allow for it, um, you know, they're, they're taking a big liability risk. And liability is, is risk to a practitioner that does not necessarily mean risk to the patient or the baby. But um, it's, uh, at, at what benefit would a practitioner take that risk? It, it just doesn't pay for most practitioners to, to take on extra liability for no real benefit. So it's not really being retaught. However, I mean, I will say this. We have been invited to several hospitals and medical institutions to screen the film. And my response from them is surprising. I really thought they'd hate it. And in truth, they're very open. Many of them, especially the residents and younger doctors, uh, feel like they should have the training to be able to offer both options and feel like they're being disingenuous with their clients when I tell them there really is only one option. And uh, they'd like to see the restoration of a training program. And there are a couple of doctors in Los Angeles and, and uh, private members of the community who are, are looking at a way to set up a regional breach training center here in Southern California, hmm. where all of the breaches would be able to come, have the option to deliver vaginally, um, and we, we would have it staffed, it would be staffed 24-7 with uh, providers who are competent and comfortable with breach delivery. And uh, in that way, by drawing in that, you know, it's about 4% of all births, and we have tens of thousands of births here, 4% uh, is a large number. And so um, to take that volume and put it all in one place would really give us an opportunity to train uh, residents and, and younger doctors who are interested in learning and being able to then offer that skill and training to others. Right. And to have doctors come from all over the country, if not the world, to be able to train there and then be able to bring it back to their communities and prevent even more cesareans. That is the, the dream, to pre prevent cesareans that are both unnecessary and unwanted, yes. Right. And like so many things in healthcare, it really, the, 
training of these doctors might be driven by the marketplace and the marketplace meaning in the grassroots of women that are finding out more information about vaginal breach delivery, they're finding out more about VBAC, and then are asking their doctors about it, and then the doctors then finding out more and possibly being trained, as long as they're open to it. And I think what you're up to right now with um, all this information is, is really giving, one, practitioners, but even more importantly, the women, more information to be able to be more empowered. And uh, that's something that we love um, here at the Cap Wellness Center, as well as with Healthy Births, Happy Babies. And you have your own pack, podcast as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We have the uh, the Informed Pregnancy podcast, and um, it's not too dissimilar from the great work you're doing with these podcasts. It's um, it, The concept of informed pregnancy through all of our media is to just provide information. We, at the end of the day, are not pushing you to choose a vaginal breech birth, we're not pushing you to choose vaginal birth after cesarean, we're not pushing you to choose a home birth or an out-of-hospital birth or an unmedicated birth. We're just trying to present as often as possible unbiased information about the pros and cons of all of your choices so that you can make better informed choices and to help you find support for the less popular choices that you might make. And the podcasts are just like that. There, There's one on VBAC, there's one on vaccines that uh, is coming out now that's uh, already created quite a buzz because the people who are extremely pro-vaccine don't love it because it sort of presents both sides and the people who are extremely anti-vaccine don't love it either. But the real truth is I think that most people are not black and white. We're somewhere in the middle. We want to know what the pros and cons are and, and be involved in the decision making. That's what our podcasts and all of our other media are about. Well, I thank you for all the work that you're doing and um, I'll leave um, notes uh, or in the podcast notes, uh, links to one year podcast, and then also to um, where can people see your movies? Is it just a purchase, or can you see it online? Yeah, you could uh, both. The film is uh, the Breach film called Heads Up The Disappearing Art of Vaginal Breach Delivery is available for streaming and also DVD purchase, either for private use or for public screening or childbirth education uh, through our website, headsupfilm.com, headsupfilm.com. Uh, and then the uh, podcast and the other, the other film, Trial of Labor, can both be seen at uh, informedpregnancy.com. Okay. Great. And I'll make sure I have those links um, for all of you listening as well so you can uh, go check those things out. And with our last couple minutes that we have here, Elliot, I'd love um, asking two questions, one's for the moms and one's for the babies. And the first one for the moms that may be listening, uh, whether they have a baby in their arms and they're already a parent or maybe if they're still pregnant and awaiting, what what message from today, or maybe just even a different message that we didn't touch on today, would you like those uh, moms listening right now to take to heart? Well, that's a great question, Jay. I would say, uh, <clears throat> I would really say, based on everything that I see uh, in pregnancy and childbirth and, and early delivery, uh, early parenting, is uh, information is key. Things have changed quite a bit from the way they used to be. Our parents told us just do whatever your doctor tells you, but uh, it was a simpler time for doctors in, in that day. Today, 
Um, as a healthcare practitioner, I can tell you we are pulled in every direction. We're pulled from the malpractice insurance carriers watching out for liability. We're pulled from the insurance carriers who cover medical payments, uh, that they're only going to pay for certain things and not other things. Uh, everything is, is pulling on your practitioner. And while we try our best to focus our efforts on what's best for you, the patient, um, it's not the only thing that's on our mind. And so it's really important today and also the changes that have taken place in childbirth so rapidly. Um, it's really important to do a little bit of reading, do a, bit of, a little bit of listening and get information and become informed so you can make informed choices. Um, and, and then not look back and feel regret because you didn't even know there were going to be choices to make and certainly in that fashion couldn't make empowered choices. And that, that's just one of the worst things I hear from people sometimes is like, oh, I wish I'd known. And the work that you're doing is, is putting that information out so hopefully women will get it so they'll know and then can make just a, a powerful choice and a fully informed choice rather than regretting it afterwards. Yes. Yeah, and so the last question is for the little babies. You know, it might be even be, you know, a baby in utero still that might be listening through mama's belly um, or a baby that's here. Like, what's one little pearl of wisdom or piece of advice, something like that, that you'd like to whisper into their little ear? Uh, wow. Um, it's hard to narrow it down to one. I have so much. You know, it's, it's interesting. I remember my wife uh, the first time <clears throat> after we had our first child. Now, now we have four little healthy kids but uh, after we had the first I remember the first time she left the house and it was just the two of us me and my little guy who was uh, maybe two weeks old and uh, I was holding him and she left and I, I had no idea what to do with him he was looking at me and I was looking at him and I, I was like you know talking to him but he didn't talk back now he's 11 he talks back all the time <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> I thought wow what do I want to tell you um I would say a couple of things. Number one, I, the real thing is fear. We live in such a fear-based society about everything, but especially about healthcare and especially about healthcare pertaining to pregnancy and, and newborns. And the thing is to just, just not be afraid. We do a, a show called Ultimate Prenatal Date Night. It's a comedy night for, for expectant parents. And oftentimes the parents leave there and they say, I just relaxed about my pregnancy for the first time in whatever seven months eight months nine months there's so much fear and and really your body takes one sperm one egg and sometimes a beer and makes a human being out of it. it's <laughs> like on autopilot and so labor and delivery should not be this huge fear-based thing but we've convinced really strong, healthy, dynamic, vibrant young women that they can't do it. And as a result, we pass that fear on to these little babies from, mm -hmm. from birth. And so what I want to say to the little baby is don't be afraid for, for many reasons. Um, but one of the great things is your mom right now, by virtue of the fact that she's listening to this podcast and doing her homework and getting her information, um, I know that you're in good hands and you're going to be okay. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your, your wisdom, your expertise. Um, I know this episode will be a really good asset for our parents and um, for other people that are um, listening around the country. Um, so thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate the time that you've taken with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information about this episode and other natural childbirth and parenting topics, please visit us at capwellnesscenter.com or message us on our Facebook page with any questions you might have. We here at the Cap Wellness Center look forward to helping you and your family be as happy and healthy as you can be.